0: This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known.
1: Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit where we take a look at the issues both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. Our prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. As always, welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit. And this is part three. Not the final installment. But We may skip ahead to some other things. Because for the fourth installment, I want to do some interviews. Uh, but having said that, this is the third installment in The Strong Delusion. To me, the greatest thing missing out of the, in the body of Christ today in the church and uh, it's falling away is what we read there in John chapter 1 where it said, for the law came by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. that when we're reading the Bible as Christians we need to understand, two major dynamics are going on in the scripture you have one is law the laws of god and you have another one which is grace and truth and sometimes as believers we get hung up on the law of god in terms of trying to keep it under our own power and I know what people say about the law. They say, oh, you know, Jesus said not, uh, not one jot of heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's true. And that includes the law. God's law will never pass away. It's, it's going to always be here. Secondly, the other scripture that people like to use is, um, Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so they said, see, the law is still in place. Well, yes, it is. The law is still in place. Christ fulfilled the law for us because we couldn't do it. That's all that means. Uh, But that does not now mean that we as believers are to continue to live under the law. And we'll get to that in a little bit. The Bible kind of explains that. But I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in. And so many Christians are willing And when they read the Bible, you've got to distinguish between what is law and what is grace. Now, in Romans, it makes it clear that the law is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the law. There's nothing wrong with the law at all. It's spiritual. So the law is not the problem. The problem is us. Because the law is spiritual and we're not. That is the problem. And all the law can do for us is expose our lack of holiness, our lack of spirituality, and and demonstrate to us that we're fallen and that we're in need of a savior. We need some help here because we can't help ourselves. The songwriter said, when nothing else could help, love lifted me in reference to the love of God. That lifted him. So I'm not disparaging the law. The law is a beautiful thing. But sin takes advantage through the law because our in our fallen nature we're just too weak to keep it. Can't be done. Anybody that tells you they're keeping the entire law of God is lying. And I'm not just talking I'm talking about all of it. And of course, you know, people say, well, you know, there's different aspects of the law. There's the civil law dealing with government, setting up the nation of Israel and what God expects the government to be like. Then there is ceremonial law. They had the various ceremonies that God instituted in the Bible, Passover being one of them, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast, the various feasts that the, uh, the Jewish nation had. And they were all, they were there, but they're all object lessons designed to teach them something about God. And you see even the redemption story in those ceremonies, but that's for another podcast. And of course, then there is the ethical law or moral laws, people like to call it. Uh, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, shalt not covet your neighbors. This uh, they should not covet, etc. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. All those come under the context of the moral law of God. And there are people who say they can keep all ten all ten. Just keep the ten commandments and you're good to go. But there's more commandments than ten. But when we talk about moral law, it's kind of capsulized right there. And then Jesus shrunk it down even further by simply saying, Love the Lord, you go with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself on these two hang all the two uh, commandments hang all the other laws that we find in the scriptures so yes absolutely uh, i i want to make it clear here i'm not suggesting that the law is of no value that it has, it has no meaning it does but i am what i'm what i want what i'm not suggesting is that you and i in our fallen condition Because of the Adamic nature that we inherited from our father, Adam, there's no way this side of creation that you or I, under any circumstances, will be so perfect that we can live the law perfectly. So let's get that out of the way. So it's not happening. So why am I trying to do something that can't be done? It makes no sense, right? Right. Okay, so let's 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 leave that right there. And but many believers, many believers, love to go to the law of God, and particularly in Word of Faith churches, they they try to demonstrate that all the laws in the Bible apply to us, and th- that just ain't so. And so when you're reading the scriptures, you got to read with discernment and know when. When it's law and when it's the gospel. I'll give you a clue. I've, I've shared this with other people before, but it's like people don't get it. They go, they, It's like they fall right back into what they were doing before. They don't get it. And that's what I say, the great deception. These podcasts that I'm doing, everybody's not going to get it. Everybody's not going to feel it. Everybody's not going to, you know, uh, understand where I'm coming from. I, and, and that's okay. This part, These podcasts are for, are for the elect. Those who are born of God's spirit, if you're born of God's spirit, you're you're one of the elect. However you want to look at election. The the ones who have an ear to hear will hear. Those who don't have an ear to hear will hear this and then just dismiss it. And and it's all good. Uh, Not my job to determine who the elect are and who is supposed to receive it and who is not supposed to. But like always, I said, be a Berean, check me out, fact check me, make sure he's right on the spot. It's a simple thing that you can determine whether it's law or gospel. We're going to talk about what what we already shared with you last time, what the gospel is, but I'll review it again. But I want to say that the great delusion is is a falling away or rebellion. And once you go into rebellion, you go into deception. And the, the great deception is that the, the enemy of our soul will seek to bring us back under the law because he knows if he can get us under the law, we're going to fail. And that's the victory that he wants. He wants us to fail. And now I got you. So very important to keep that in mind. Now, how do you know what's what's the law? It's very simple. The law operates off of the principle of reward and punishment it's, it's sort of like training a dog when a dog does right you give him a biscuit when a dog does bad you know you 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 know we back in the day we should just take him and tap him like you know you know hey rub his nose in his doo-doo and just kind of tap him lightly, and say bad dog and then tell and so the dog the dog the dog which is not a human being is smart enough to understand if I do this, I get punished. But when I do the right thing, I get a, I get a biscuit. It's the principle of reward and punishment. Same thing you do with children, right? Children don't understand, so you have to, you get a time out. Your child acts up, he does something wrong, and you punish him. I'm not talking about whipping your child. I'm talking about you time out. There are other ways to discipline your children besides violence. So I'm not advocating violence against children. And I know back in the day, that's how we used to get it. I, and that's what our parents understood and we survived, we're okay. But we're a little bit smarter now. So we don't have to do that anymore. We found other ways to do it. So let's evolve on that issue. But, uh, so the child does something wrong, you put him in a timeout, you deprive him of his video games or various things that you take away so that he understands, he or she understands that if I do wrong, I get punished. And then you give them rewards when they do good. They bring home a report card with A's or they're doing well in school, etc. Uh, or they clean the room they, did, they if they're actually being obedient and they've been good this week, they've been doing what I've told them to do, etc then you reward them let's go to McDonald's or whatever. reward and punishment. that's law. Now a child has to come up under law. the Bible tells you that in Galatians for the law is a schoolmaster. but once a child gets to a certain age, you loosen up the restrictions and rules and laws on them. Why? Because now the child is capable, right? Because he's been trained now. And because he's been properly trained, you know that when they go out the door in public, there's a certain way they're going to behave because you've taught them at home. It's called home training. You taught your kids and you go into public, this is how you behave, etc. You obey the law. You don't steal, dot, 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 okay? And so the child now has, has matured where it doesn't need law anymore. And that's where God wants to get us to that point, to where we mature and we don't need law anymore because now we're living under grace and truth, which I'm going to elaborate on. I may not be able to get all of it in this podcast, but I'm going to try to do so. But I want to emphasize right now um, this thing about law. But the law is reward and punishment. That's how you know you're under law. When you're under the grace of God, it's not about reward and punishment. And I'll explain to you what the grace of God is here in a little bit. And you probably heard me say this in other podcasts, but it's okay. I don't mind repeating myself. One of the greatest mistakes that saints do, um, I think. We all love Deuteronomy 28. And that's where a lot of Christians stand, you know. Blessed, blessed, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed when we come and go. We cast down every idol, sickness and poverty must cease. We are blessed. Okay. Right? That's the song everybody likes to sing. And it's based on Deuteronomy 28. From, from verses 1 of Deuteronomy to verse 13, is all blessings. Let me read a little bit of it. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you, overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. It's conditional. If you obey God, then all these things will overtake you. Well, what's going to overtake you if you obey God? You will be blessed in the city. You will be blessed in the field. Blessed... Be the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket, your kneading, down, your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in, and, and blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will, the Lord will command, God will give a command for the blessings on you in their barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people, holy to himself, as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways, and all the peoples of the earth shall see you, shall so see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground within the land, that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open up, to you his good treasury the heavens to give the rain to your land it season to bless all the work of your hands and you shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow the lord will make you the head and not the tail and you shall go out and you shall you, and you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the lord your god which i command you today being careful to do them now that's all blessings that's 13 verses From verse 14 to verse 68 is all curses, and he tells you what's going to happen if you don't do what God says. All right. Who, what, when, where, and why? Still a bit of hermeneutics here. Who is God talking to? He's talking to the nation of Israel. Oh, that's not for the church? No. Never was. That's not for us. He's not talking to us. You cannot now go back and look at a covenant that God established with the nation of Israel and now says the church unless you're into replacement theology and you think that the, the church has replaced Israel as some preachers teach. but the Bible doesn't teach that. The church is a church and Israel is Israel. One has nothing to do we have, we have very little to do with each other other than because of Israel the church was able to be birthed beyond that. but no saints. God's talking to the Jewish nation. This is a covenant that God is establishing with a nation. It is a national covenant. It's not even a personal covenant. God is saying, if you as a people nationally do these things, not one individual, you as a people, it has to be the collective as the people, as a nation, if they collectively do these things, then God will do that for this particular nation in a particular point in time. But what the word of faith has done and said, we are the children of Abraham. So therefore, since we're the children of Abraham and his seed, therefore, uh, all the blessings of Abraham now come upon us. And then they try to go back here to Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to show you what the blessings of Abraham. This is not the blessings of Abraham here. This is a different covenant. If you're talking about the blessings of Abraham coming upon the church, that's the Abrahamic covenant. That's the one that, that that's being spoken about in Galatians. It's not talking about this. But because we don't read the Bible and we try to make everything and just mesh everything together, whatever, you know, every pro- is promise Israel will get, therefore it must be for us. No, stop it. This was a promise given to a nation located in the Middle East. This is not America. This is not Britain. This is not any of the Western nations. He's only talking to one nation and making cutting this covenant here with this particular nation. And that's the nation of Israel you cannot transfer this onto the church it doesn't work this is the, the 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 Sinai covenant the covenant they're talking about in galatians is the abrahamic covenant which is not the Sinai covenant and it's a totally different dynamic going on there and we'll we'll deal with the abrahamic covenant and you'll begin to see what I'm what I'm talking about but it's all curses i'm not going to read the whole thing cuz this thing is long uh, verse 15, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, or be careful to keep all his commandments and statues, I command you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then, of course, you now reverse your curse in the city, curse in the field, your womb, everything's going to be cursed. And then he said, at one point, you're going to be good when it's daytime, you're going to wish it was night. When it was nighttime, you're going to wish it was day. Sounds like kind of, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure that happened in the Holocaust. When, when, And the Jews have been persecuted ever since. They got scattered out of the land. Now let's go on the way down here. Let's go to the end of the chapter, to verse 68. Because all curses, all curses. Isn't it interesting that the curses go way longer than the blessings? But nobody preaches sings this. That's what I don't get. This is, this is incorrect. If you can read the Bible, read all of it. Don't just tell me about the blessings. Tell me, let's preach on the curses too, while you're at it. If you want to go down that road. Yeah, this is a promise I have. I'm like, no, read the rest of it. Because if you're under this covenant, there's no way I'm sitting under this. Oh, and by the way, if you mess up once, the Bible says you violate the law in one area, you may as well have violated it everywhere. All it takes is one slip up, and these curses come upon you. That's why you don't want to live under it, because they couldn't do it. Was there something wrong with the law? No, the law is fine but they were they were fallen human beings they weren't going to keep this look at verse 64 and the lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other this is this is, this is the diaspora of the of the jewish nation and there you shall serve other gods wow of wood stone which neither you nor your fathers have known And among the nations, you you shall find no respite, no no rest. And there shall be no resting place for you, for the sole of your foot. Jews have been persecuted around the globe and have have never found any place of rest. Even even now they're back in 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 the land, there's no rest. Even here in America, they get threats. But the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread and have no assurance of your life. The time you walk out that door, you don't know what's going to happen. Look at what happened. Look up Kristallnacht, the night of the broken glass when uh, in, in Poland, and see what happened to the Jews then. In the morning you shall say, if only it were evening. And at the evening you shall say, if only it was morning. Because of the dread of your heart shall feel and sights that your eyes shall see. And eventually, God says, I'll bring you back in ships to Egypt, a journey that I promise you, you should never make again. Wow, now he means going back to to slavery again. And there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but there shall be no buyer. So, yeah, that's for the nation of Israel, and that's exactly what has happened to them. They've been scattered globally. And they've been persecuted. And we all know about the Holocaust, Christ, Kristallnacht. We all know about how the Jews were persecuted by the, by the church. The church, that's right. The Lutherans and Catholics with inquisitions and stuff persecuted the church, the Jews in Europe. They went into the Holy Land, fought, they fought against what a little bit the Jews were down there and, and Muslims and fought with these people. And, and And sometimes Christians have persecuted Jews throughout the centuries. Right? The so-called church. Which really had no business doing that. God didn't tell us to persecute anybody. Jew or anyone else. Okay. But these are some of the mistakes that have been made. Amen. So that was the. Sinai covenant. Which has nothing to do with us. It's not. A prescription, it's a description, it's telling you what happened. A very interesting thing if you go back to the book of Joshua, look that up here for us, right quick. In the book of Joshua, when Joshua gets to the end of it, about the 24th chapter, and he gathered all the tribes of Israel uh, together, he called the elders and the heads of the judges and officers of Israel and they presented themselves before God and and Joshua said to all the people thus says the Lord God the God of Israel long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates Tira the father of Abraham and of Nahor and they served other gods then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many he gave him Isaac Jacob Esau and God says, I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. So God did have something for the Arab states. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And, of course, he sent Moses and Aaron to go get them out. He plagued Egypt. He's rehearsing the what God has done for them in the last 40 years in particular. Verse 6, then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to see. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers and how God destroyed them. And. Uh, in the red sea and he brought them through the wilderness to possess the land and defeated balak the son of zippor king of moab arose and fought and against israel and god destroyed them on their behalf okay and when he raised up balaam the son of Beor, to curse you but i would not listen to balaam indeed he blessed you so i delivered you out of his hand once he went over jordan came to jericho into that, to uh, help you fight the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I deliver them into your hands. So God's rehearsing all the things that he's done for the nation and for the people. Okay. And at one point he said, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. And you didn't have to use your sword or your bow. Okay. Look at verse 14. Now this is in the light of the covenant at Sinai. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. So evidently, people were still doing idol worship. Wow, still. Even after the covenant that they just made. But alright, God get, evidently God cut him some slack. And Joshua was telling him, look, put all that stuff away. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites. Wow, they got choices in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now look at verse 16. This is verse I want. I want you to see something. This is verse 16. This is what I want you to see. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the lord our god who brought us up brought us and our fathers up from the land of egypt out of the house of slavery who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that he went and among all the peoples through whom we passed and the lord drove out before us all the peoples like amorites who lived in the land therefore we also will serve the lord for he is our god okay This is what Joshua tells us. Joshua's no fool. He's been around a bit. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord your God. For he is holy. Do you understand that? You can't serve God the way God wants you to because he is holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord your God, and this is based on the covenant that he made at Sinai, the national one, if you forsake the, if you forsake the lord and serve a foreign gods then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good and the people said to joshua no no but we will serve the lord Then joshua said to the people you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the lord to serve him and they said yes we are witnesses and then he tells them again to put away the foreign gods and everything else etc so the people affirmed the covenant at sinai deuteronomy 28 they affirmed it by saying we will and joshua said okay this is what your own words are witness against you you said you were going to do this right okay and joshua told me you're not going to do it i think well i have a theory maybe joshua was trying to lead them somewhere else because joshua says for me and my house we're going to serve the lord i think joshua understood something they didn't quite get but we'll we'll get back to that And says so after the death of Joshua, they inquired of the Lord who should go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against him. The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given them the land. And so okay, so they go and they fight the Canaanites. This is into the book of Judges now. And they, they they won some victories. And they they were able to take certain parts of the land. Certain parts of the land they didn't take, certain high places. So that in itself was a disobedience okay but it tells you in the first chapter of uh judges you know how all the all of the israelites did who who conquered what area uh, who took what spot etc okay so well and good right well and good okay and get to the second by the second chapter they've already done something wrong they didn't drive everybody out, and God said, "Because you didn't obey me and drive everybody out of the land, He says they're going to be thorns in your eyes, going to be pricks in your eyes, and a thorn in your side." Now, God's going to keep His covenant because of the Abrahamic covenant, but the Jews had already broken the covenant. Okay, let's go back here again. This is in Judges. And then, of course, uh, in verse 7, 2-7, seven, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years old. And they buried him. Okay, now after Joshua dies, as soon as he's dead, verse 11, this is the second chapter. We just in the second chapter. The last chapter, 24 of Joshua, they said they didn't want to do it. And they did it for a little, bit, a little a bit of a while while Joshua was alive. But as soon as Joshua and those elders died off, and the people of Israel, verse 11, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the anger of the Lord and God abandoned them. The whole book of judges that's all it is every man that did what was right in his own eyes god would send a deliverer to deliver them they would go into captivity god would send somebody to deliver them and they would get delivered and then they go right back to it again uh well, the lesson i take from that is, is is that the church is always one you're always one generation from extinction if you don't if a church does not evangelize into the next generation then the church is going to age out and die. And then you're going to have your kids are going to come along and, you know, now part of the problem is, I don't know what the issue was here, but it seems to me just from uh, just looking at the passage, I, I can't say it. They did. They didn't because I don't know. Wasn't there. As to what caused them to turn away from the Lord, their God. If you don't pass on the things that you have, that you've been taught to your children, the great truths of scripture, and I recommend everybody get the Westminster Shorter Catechism. That's the best thing to teach your children with, if you're going to do, uh, if you're going to teach your children. But what has happened in an attempt, and I call it the Pied Piper. Now, I, let me get to the Pied Piper churches. A lot of churches in America is, are dying out. And I'm watching churches. There, there are good churches out there, good pastors, good preachers. But when you walk into their churches, all you see is gray hair. Nobody under 50. Some places on nobody under 60. They're still wearing the suit and tie. They're still um, they're still singing hymns, etc. And some of them try to modernize a little bit. And they're still preaching the same old sermons that, that we that we used to hear back in the day. But they're preaching the gospel. They're still being faithful to preach the gospel. And, and I'm not saying everything that was done in, back in the day was good either. Some of that was nonsense, too. But I'm talking about preaching the gospel. So if you're a young person, Generation Z, Gen X, on down, Gen X on, on, on down to up to the to the ones that we got now. If we were X and we're at Z now and etc. Um there's a there was a rejection of what they saw and some of it the church brought on itself but some of the because even then some of the older church says the, the, the great falling way had already started even in my time with the, with the baby boomers the great great falling way had already started and it it was always here but it's like somebody put the foot in accelerator in my generation and i i take part blame for that because i was i tried to do what i could to stop it but i wasn't able to I'm not saying that I had to do it by myself, but I was one of the few that tried to stop the, the, de- the acceleration, but it didn't work. And that's because it has to. It ha- I didn't realize at the time, it's because it has to happen. You're not going to stop it. God, has, The Bible's predicted there going to be a great rebellion. So now the re- great rebellion has increased. So now the young people leave the solid Bible teaching churches or the older churches, and now they're going to the hipper, cooler churches, the jeans, the sneakers, and the and and you know and, and and i was i was an advocate of that stuff you know back when i was when i was a youth you know i had my own contemporary christian music show etc so i'm not saying i'm against those things but it's cooler it's hipper and there's not a lot of there's no theology it's not about theology or or or, or whose doctrine is right they, they removed you know we're not, we're not worried about doctrine you know our, our pastors the new leaders god speaks directly to them and there's no Bible being open. They just stand up there and either they're prophesying or they're giving you self-help, how to improve yourself, how to become a, a, a better you, type of thing. And this is what's going on wholesale in the in the church right now uh, that we see. And so, like the book, and I'm saying that because, like the book of Judges, these these pastors are, have become pied pipers. Um, and then now they're, 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 they're taking our children away, uh, from the gospel. And I'm going to go back here to this book here with Michael Horton, um, in Christless Christianity. And I'm still talking about law grace and truth. And I'm going to take my time with this because I want to get it across so that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Holy Spirit says uh, to the church. This is, this, is, this is a new church. And this is what, this is what I see going on here. And uh, Crisis Christianity by Michael Hort. You might want to get a copy of this. Uh, listen to this. There is no condemnation in the modern church's message. I don't want to call out the guy's name. He mentions the pastor's name, but it's not just him. I don't want to single him out because he's not the only one, but, but everybody has copied this guy. There is no condemnation in this message for failing to fulfill God's righteous law. On the other hand, there's no justification. Instead of either message, there's an upbeat moralism that is somewhere in the middle. Do your best. Follow the instructions I give you, and God will make your life successful. Don't sit back passively, he warns. With a gentle pleading, he suggests that the only reason we need to follow his advice is because it's useful for getting what we want. God is a buddy or partner who exists primarily to make sure that you are happy. You do your part, and God will do his part, and you will be very happy. Sure, we all have faults, this guy says. But the good news is God loves us anyway, in spite of our faults. Well, that's true, but it, it's out of context. Instead of accepting God's just verdict on our own righteousness and fleeing to Christ for justification, see, then that's what—that's where He messes up. We should accept God's verdict on our righteousness, which is like filthy rags, and we should be running to Christ for justification. But this guy doesn't teach this. He just tells readers simply to reject guilt and condemnation reject guilt and condemnation well if you reject guilt and common condemnation that's that's the pathway god takes you to repentance and faith but okay we don't need to be guilty of con- so now people are walking around saying i don't have to be guilty or feel condemnation about anything that i've ever done without any type of repentance there has to be godly sorrow first but okay The new preachers today, they take that away from you. Yet it is hard to do that successfully when God's favor and blessing on your life depend entirely on how well you can put his commands to work. See, it's law. Reward. If I can do what God says, I'm going to get a great reward. Nothing about grace. Nothing about the truth. And and no truth. Definitely no truth in what they're saying. And nothing about any grace. Everything depends on you. You. But it's easy. And that's all it is. Everything depends upon you. And so you have a kinder, gentler version of Christianity. And that's what these Pied Pipers have done and have taken us to the book of Judges. Because once that happens, once you get away from genuine Holy Ghost conviction, and once you get to the point where it's your best life now, once you get to the point now where uh, becoming a better you, and that's all it is in these churches, is how to become a better you, but they jettison the gospel because the only way to become a better you is is through the gospel is repentance and faith in Christ by grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone for the glory of God alone, and by this reading the scriptures alone. See, but they young people run out of the church because they don't like doctrine. They don't like it. They've seen all the debates and everything else, and they say, oh, well, I'm confused, and so they just, instead of digging in for themselves to try to find out what's going on, that's too much work. So they go to this dumbed-down christianity light stuff here in these other churches, and they run out the door, and now I'm going to a church where they tell me everything I want to hear. So I get prophecies now. I get direct words from the Lord. No Bible. I don't need the Bible because God is speaking directly to me. If God is talking to me now, what do I need the Bible for? When this man in front of me has a direct pipeline to God. Don't need the Bible. Uh, Yes, I will admit, doctrine is boring. It's tedious. It can be a drag. It's not exciting. It's not electrifying. But it's necessary to learn. Some of the good things in life that you enjoy, you have to get down into it, dig into it, wrestle with the text, pray to learn and to grow and to mature. But we don't want to put into work anymore. We just rather the guy just just come down here and tell me what God is saying for me today. And of course, your ship is always coming in. Things are going to be wonderful. There's no such thing as sin. You know, if you're doing something wrong, God's just going to like kind of sh- gently nudge you. You know, I think you need to do this and. If you do this and then you do this and well, you were disobedient and this happened. So, you know, but the, but disobedience never leads to, never leads to hell. It's just you we were disobedient. And, but now, you know, you just missed that one particular thing. You didn't get that girl. You didn't get that money. You didn't get that job because you were disobedient, but that's okay. But that's all the disobedience affected. It, it, it doesn't, it has nothing to do with your salvation and, and you're ending up in hell. So, you know, okay, great. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're thinking. Jesus said, "If you love me, keep my commandments." But you're gonna what? Are, what, what are the commandments of Christ? And that's what you got to look at. But we'll get to that. Maybe here in the last segment, I may touch on some of that. But this is where we're at, saints. And so these pipe pipers have took, taken the young people out of the churches, and so our churches now that had the churches that had any type of doctrine, any type of solid Bible teaching, they're they're aging out. They're gonna die. Okay, And then what's going to happen is and all those young people are going to be gone away with those Pied Pipers. An entire generation will be lost. And I'm telling you, if they sit under this mess, hell will be their final destination. But this is the great rebellion, the great falling away. And here's the thing, saints. It's not going to change. All we can do is rescue as many as we can. But for the most part, it's not going to change. You're looking at the church of the future now. When you turn on the TV and you see all these young hipsters and they're real cool and they're throwing out their self-help stuff. And everybody's feeling good and everybody everybody's feeling, ooh, you know, getting liver shivers and and, and prophecies. And they're being told how wonderful and good they are. Um. Yeah, that's sad to say is where we're headed. Actually, we're already here. And it's not going to get any better because the Bible says there had to be a great falling away. Therefore, God, God will send them strong delusion. That's what it took me some time to realize what's going on here. This is the strong delusion that God has sent out into the into the church world. And but God has some sheep out there, and I'm making this podcast and we keep preaching because but the Bible says his sheep will hear his voice. So we keep putting it out This so the sheep hear the voice of the Son of God, and they can say, whoa, wait, what am I doing in this mess? I'm getting out of here. And hopefully they'll leave. Okay, I'm going to continue reading a little bit out of this book, Christless Christianity, and I hope you all run out and buy it. It's by Michael Horton uh crisis christianity the alternative gospel of the american church um here he talks about uh and you all know who he is because once i say his books and everything you'll know what i'm talking about i mean it was not hard to figure out um you know and the, the author's first book was your best life now the second one he just came out with no well, it's been out for a while both of them have been out for a while is uh becoming a better you and um, but let's let's but it's not just him, it's 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 everywhere. You turn on the TV, and this is what you don't hear. You, you don't hear, uh, or this preacher, they never use the word sin or sinners at all. You're not going to hear that. Remember, I talked about reward and punishment. Back in the day it was hellfire and damnation and fire and brimstone. that's punishment. now they're just giving you a reward they're gonna, you're gonna be blessed if you do these certain things Wrong on both ends though that's law that's not gospel you know and at first glance that sounds humble it sounds humble but when you com- when but when it is compared to some of the moralistic and self-righteous stuff of yesteryear, who threatened God's judgment for drinking a glass of wine or going to a movie. See, that was the other extreme. And that's why we moved away. And that's why I said there's some stupid things that was done back then. Uh, but, but the answer to bad law preaching is good law preaching. You have to preach the law, but you have to preach it in a good way, not, but you don't eliminate it. Um, So at least they tried to give you the law, but they just did it in a bad way. Uh, the proper preaching of the law is God's holiness, righteousness, glory, and justice. Um, that's what we need to be preaching if you're going to preach God's law. But today, it's more self-righteousness, and you're kind of sort of like fixing yourself up. Like, Let's look at this for a minute, Becoming a Better. Let me just read some more out of, out of the book here. More recently, this pastor has written a book called becoming a better you seven keys to improving your life every day. And even the Library of Congress classifies it as, um, as psychology it's not with some religious aspect. So even even the, the, the unsafe people know this, there's nothing spiritual going on in this book. You can be a, you can be better, this uh, author invites. The question is how what must I do to become a better me in my first book, your best life Now, I presented seven steps to living at your full potential. But with becoming a better you, I want you to get a little bit deeper. I'm hoping to help you look inside yourself. Red flag, look inside yourself. The apostle Paul said, When in my flesh there dwells no good thing. But all right, look inside yourself for some goodness. You're not gonna you're not gonna find it. But according to these new preachers, you can. Discover the priceless seeds of greatness that God has placed within you. You know, what's that song? He saw the best in me. God saw something in me. And therefore, because there was something in me, God saved me. God came to get me because I was special, because I had something in me. And again, the Apostle Paul said, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. The Bible says the human heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who seeks after God. We've all together become as an unclean thing. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid the iniquity, the iniquity of us all upon Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. You don't look inside yourself to discover some greatness that God put within you. This is, this is, this is Walt Disney theology. You know, when you wish upon a star, follow your heart, look within yourself. That's not what the Bible teaches. And if you're a Christian, you run from that kind of madness. We don't, I don't look inside myself. I look inside myself and I don't like what I see. It ain't good. I see nothing but filth and corruption and nonsense. Which sends me fleeing to Christ for help because I've got nothing. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. The only thing we contribute to our salvation is sin. That's our only contribution. We don't contribute anything else. But these modern day preachers tell you, you can be better. They invite. And so uh, you look a little deeper and you want to discover the priceless seeds of greatness that God has placed within you okay yeah okay you're not going to find that it's, it's not there and, that, and that's not in the bible there's nothing in the bible that says god put greatness in you and i know what you're thinking oh the man made me to good no yeah okay the, the, the imago day i i get it it's, it's 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 useless in a falling condition so no and even if you discovered it what are you going to do with it you can't rise above the the, 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 the impact of sin on your life. If we could stop doing it, we would, but we can't. Okay, so again, here, we're going back to the book here that uh, Michael Horton wrote. I will reveal to you seven keys that you can use to unlock the seeds of greatness, allowing them to burst forth in an abundant, blessed life. Remember, God has put you in everything you need to to live a victorious life. Now it's up to you to draw it out. And he's quoting this particular preacher, who I will not mention his name. Um, but he's quoting this particular preacher. And this is what this guy, this preacher, this is the modern gospel of today. What I just read to you is what you're going to hear in the modern gospel today. This is what it's all about. It's all about you looking within yourself and discovering. It's all about you, this being your, this has to be your year. This is the year of your deliverance. And usually, deliverance used to mean deliverance from sin, but deliverance now means coming out of poverty, getting the victory over. I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a power struggle in my office, and so I have to overcome the people in my office so that I win. And and whoever's fighting against you and your family or whatever, you're going to be the winner. I win. I I, I get God's going to come down here and fight on my side, and I win. It has nothing to do with sin. So they're using even some of the same words, but it has a different meaning. Let me read on a little bit here. And, and this is uh, Michael Horton quoting this preacher. What does it mean to become a better you? First, you understand that God wants you to become all that he created you to be. Second, it is imperative that you realize that God will do his part, but you must do your part as well. Emphasis added. So the worst news you're likely to hear from from modern preaching is nothing that you, is not that you didn't already know. And the best news is that by following their advice, you can have more. That's it. And they're going to help you gain the whole world. This is the devil telling you, saints. When you follow these guys, this is the devil's way of telling you, all these kingdoms will I give you. All you have to do is fall down and worship me. That's all it is. Just worship yourself, worship me, just don't worship God. Don't worship Jesus. And all these things you can have. And the lie is that God is going to give you all these things if you look within yourself and you just do your part. The only part I have in my salvation is to come to the cross and repent and ask God for forgiveness. That's the only part I have in my salvation. There's nothing i can do to add to it it's about what christ has done what god has done in christ god was in christ the bible says reconciling the world to himself there's nothing in there about you doing anything we're talking about salvation now the seven keys in this book michael horton says are not gospel indicatives in other words they're not announcements of god's saving work in christ such as, this is what you need to hear when you go to a church. This is what you want to hear. Pro- prophetic a- anticipation of the Messiah, Christ's coming. The incarnation. And going to say prophetic uh, anticipation, I don't mean this guy standing in front of you prophesying. I'm talking about the prophetic anticipation that was there in the scriptures. Sola scriptura, scriptures alone. The incarnation. Christ's active obedience in the place of sinners. Christ's active obedience in our place christ's active obedience in our place is what it's what the gospel is about let's talk about jesus sin bearing his death and his victorious resurrection as the head of a body let's talk about his ascension to represent us before the father and send his spirit to our hearts as a down payment of the resurrection of our bodies at the end of the age when he returns in glory to judge the living and the dead Rather, instead, now contrast that biblical preaching that I just read through there. These people are trying to give you to be positive, to keep pressing forward, be positive about yourself, develop better relationships, form better habits, embrace the place where you are, and develop your inner life. Well, I'm scared to even think about what they mean by developing your inner life. And by the way, this developing your inner life, you can go to any religion for that. You, you, can, you can go to Hinduism, you can go to Buddhism. They all have that, developing the inner life. What does that even mean for the believer? Because they're not the same. The same Developing the inner life for the believer is different than who it is for any other faith. The theme is coming up higher. Again, in line with the theology of glory. This is what is known as a theology of glory, where you wouldn't go up higher. It's about our self-confident ascent rather than God's humble and sacrificial descent to us. Our confident ascent. Go now, let us build the tower up to heaven. Man is going to ascend to heaven to get to God. That's a theology of glory. We're going to do something here. We're going to follow these five steps, and that's going to take us to glory. So I'm climbing this ladder up into heaven. And it's about my ascent to Godhood, or to be, get wherever God is at instead the Bible teaches about Christ's descent to come down here for us it's not about us going up to him it's about him coming down here to us <laughs> and then he talks to each person as everybody everybody that comes to that to any of these churches as a child of the most high God with no mention of Christ as a mediator of, of this relationship they're assuming that everybody there is saved Everybody that comes into a church is not a child of the Most High God. If they haven't come to repentance and faith in Christ, then they're not a child of God. They're just there in church. And some people are religious like that. They'll come to church all the time. Every once in a while, there's some couple scriptures or appeals to the Bibles scattered through the book. But that's it. So you want to get that book. Christless Christianity by Michael Horton. Excellent book. Highly recommend it. Please run out to the store and get it immediately. But that's where we are, saints. And so these pipers have pulled the young people out of the church, not preaching the gospel. And as a result of that now, as a result, the older churches are dying out. That at least, though not perfect, at least the gospel, you, you could get a gospel message out of there. And they had a better understanding of the law as it relates to the gospel. Whereas now you're just never going to get that out there. Forget it. And yes, our young people are in danger. They don't know it. And if you try to tell them this, sometimes they will look at you like, you know, maybe you're just being old fashioned. And that's how they excuse it. Well, you're just old fashioned, you know. You're, you're in your 60s. So, you know, hey, you know, uh, what does that mean? And by the way, when you have a church full of young people, you look at these churches full of young people. You don't you see almost no gray hair in there. Which makes the pastor the only place to find wisdom. So these kids have no repository of wisdom except in that pastor, who is young himself, and he doesn't know what he's doing. It's the blind leading the blind. And they'll all fall into the ditch. And this is what happened. This is how we got here. This is the great falling away because we don't understand the difference between law and gospel. But the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved, says in Ephesians, through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Therefore, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The just shall live by faith. Deuteronomy 28 exemplifies or characterizes the law that Moses brought to the people. You want to find grace and truth. Now, where's the grace and truth that Jesus Christ brought? Now, contrast that with Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. Because the gospel reveals two things. And reveals that the righteousness that God requires can come only by faith in Him, and it also reveals that the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, where God hands them over to strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. The gospel, the, the grace that Christ brought to the world, is what saves us. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Faith is the electrical, is the the copper wire. Grace is the conduit. It brings forgiveness from the penalty of sin. It gives us power to break the power of sin. And not only does it break the power of sin over us, it also, it also. will one day deliver us from the presence of sin. So it deals with the penalty of sin. That's the atonement, the atoning work of Christ, his death on the cross. He deals with the penalty of sin. He breaks the power of sin. And one day he will deliver us from the presence of sin. Simple. That's not in the law. You're not going to get that. Moses could not bring that to the people. This is what Jesus brought to the world. Deliverance from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day from the presence of sin. But it's only found in Christ alone. You're not going to find it reading a book called Your Your Best Life Now or, or, or creating a better you. You can't make a better you. You can't become a better you. There's nothing you can do to improve yourself that will make you acceptable to God. Now, you can improve yourself here a little bit, clean yourself up, and we'll be impressed by it. Okay, great. He was a drug addict. No, look look at me. Clean his life. I've seen that happen. I've seen people clean their life up. I, I get it. I get it. But the church is about salvation of the soul. There is no work a human being can do to clean himself up. Okay, good. You got yourself off of drugs. Good. You stopped shacking up. Good. You, you, you know, you're doing better now. You're, you're taking care of your children. You being more a responsible, individual—all those things are wonderful, but they don't save. You will do all those things, and in hell, you will lift up your eyes. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. You gotta come to God, because only in Christ can you be delivered from the penalty of sin, and from the power of sin. And one day from the presence of sin, it's only found in Christ. You're not going to find it anywhere else. This is what I'm talking about. The great delusion, the great falling away. But the greatest trick of the enemy to get us to fall away is to fall away from the the gospel. And to get us caught up in law. So the devil takes the scriptures through word of faith and through these other, these other cr- denominations. And they lead us into the law of God. They're fixated on the law of God. And even though they use the word grace, like some of these other guys, you know, trying to, I'm going to teach on grace today. Their whole teaching on grace is skewed. And somehow it starts out with grace and we end up back over here in the law somewhere. And usually what they mean by grace means you can live anywhere you want. You can live like a sinner. You can lay up and and play around because God's grace is there. God forgives you. God understands. And that kind of man. And that's not the grace of God. I'm going to have to do another podcast where I'm going to have to go over um, the five solas again. Because this is the greatest trick of the enemy of all the apostasy he brings into the church. This is the one right here. I got to get these people hung up on the law. And, 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 misunderstand, and misunderstand it in such a way that there is no gospel. But so many Christians are hung up on it. Trying to do something to work their way into heaven. Trying to do something to please God so that God will bless them with their, with their finances, etc. And God's going to work this out for me, et cetera, et cetera, And that's all God is. If God is all if all God is is a payday to you, then you, you, you probably need to go back and, and check yourself and see if you're really saved or not. You said, Brother Reimer, pretty bold, pretty daring to you to say something like that. So let me close with this. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul says this. If I... Or an angel from heaven. I know people are getting visits from angels willy nilly. He said, even if an angel from heaven come down, if they give you another gospel, let them be anatema, let them be accursed, let them be damned. That's what it actually translates at. let them be damned, let them be condemned to hell, let them be accursed. I don't care if Gabriel himself comes down here and Micah and they give you a different gospel that's in the scripture. Don't accept it. They won't. But don't accept it. Don't let any angel. That's when people come and, and yeah, angel, angel came and showed me this. That's what happened with, uh, it was at William Branham. It's an angel showed him something. And, and he was on his way to reveal it to the church. And he died in a head-on car collision. So evidently, whatever the angel told him couldn't stop that car crash. All right, whatever. Listen, people. It doesn't matter. If it's an angel, I don't care what supernatural experience you had. If it violates scripture, the Bible's right. Your supernatural experience was a demon. It was an angel of light. That's all that was. You've been tricked, hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray. Sola Scriptura, the scriptures alone are the final court of arbitration. God bless you and stick around. Part four is coming up. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Sword and the Spirit. Let's covet your prayers. Keep me in prayer that I get the website up and we'll get the equipment that we need. We can go on YouTube as well if you feel so inclined uh, to subscribe. And uh, please subscribe and like and share if you can. And if you're on Spotify, you can... Sign up to just donate a certain amount per month if you so desire. Or you could also just cash out me as well if you want to help support what we're doing and using that money and towards getting some better equipment, etc. that we need to get this podcast, uh, make it a, a, a better, better quality podcast. So God bless you. Thank you for listening a blessing and I pray to God that I'm helping somebody out there that's my only prayer that somebody come to Christ It's somebody who's been caught up in that great deception we will get back to the Bible open it up again and start doing some serious Bible study I did a podcast, two podcasts on how to study the Bible one is called Sharpening Your Sword that I did if you don't know how, uh, go back to that podcast I did on Sharpening Your Sword I may do another one and the other one is on um, with Pastor Chad Mansbridge on you can handle the truth. And I may just do a masterclass on uh, hermeneutics because that's just a, the one I just did. The first one was like a starter kit. I may do a masterclass on that sometime. Uh, and I'm not going to charge you anything. Not because I don't think the information I have isn't worth it. Um, but again, I want people to get the information into the hands of as, of as many people as possible. And um, you know, I won't market the gospel. I will not do that. So, um, you know, free will offerings are fine. And it's, and it's just that free will. If you give, you give great. If you don't, it, it's still okay. Love you. Still going to do these podcasts. Still going to get the message out. So it's not contingent on what people do or don't do. It's, it's contingent on just being obedient to God. So God bless you and stay strong. And like I said, keep me in prayer. I'll keep you in prayer as well. That we get this gospel out, the real one out, to the world and to as many people as possible. Until the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he bless you and keep you. God bless and thanks for listening. See you next time. God willing.